Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church, and we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod right here in Spencer, Iowa, where it is finally cooling off. And this morning, July 11th, we are now set to celebrate the sixth Sunday after Trinity. Now, on this Sunday in the Trinity season, we are entering a new a second phase of Trinity Tide, as some would call it. And our focus shifts from this Church of the Spirit that we had in the first phase of the Trinity season. And now for the next five weeks, we begin to focus on the Christian faith. What is the Christian faith? How do we understand the Christian faith? And as we set to, to understand that, we hear St. John the Baptist who proclaims, he must increase and I must decrease. And we keep that in our mind throughout this phase of the Trinity season. So then to what does our faith cling? Not to our pride or the many idols of this world, but to Christ alone. And now in this first Sunday of this phase of Trinity Tide, today, our gospel is from Matthew 5, from the Sermon on the Mount. And in this part of the Sermon on the Mount, Christ tells us he came not to abolish, but to fulfill the law, that our righteousness must be above that of the Pharisees, and that in this righteousness, it means being willing to forgive, and also seeking forgiveness from our brothers in this way of the cross that we all walk together. Now, how is our faith to attain to this level of righteousness, where we are to be more righteous than the most holy men of the law, and where we are to forgive, not just to forgive, but where we should want to forgive others who injure us by their sins. Well, such faith can only attain such righteousness and forgiveness when it clings to Christ alone. And by the waters of baptism, where we are united to Christ crucified, what we receive is his righteousness. What we receive is the righteousness that is above the Pharisees. So that will be our gospel lesson for today. But for now, we turn to our matin service and its opening hymn, The Law Commands and Makes Us Know.
Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him. The Lord is the strength of his people, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people, and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also, and lift them up forever. Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock, be not silent to me. Lest, if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplications, when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward the holy oracle. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Lord is the strength of his people, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people, and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. The Old Testament lesson for this sixth Sunday after Trinity is written in the 20th chapter of Exodus, beginning at the first verse. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me, You shall not make for yourselves an idol, nor any image of anything that is in the heavens above, 
or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow yourself down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and on the fourth generation of those who hate me, and showing loving kindness to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You shall labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work in it, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, your, your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your livestock, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations, from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. The epistle is written in the sixth chapter of Romans, beginning at the first verse. Brothers, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. We who died to sin, how could we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we also might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, we will also be part of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be in bondage to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. But if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin one time. But the life that he lives he lives to God. Thus consider yourselves also to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God.
Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, O Lord, deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy, and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding, that I may know thy testimonies. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, Don't think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. For amen, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not even one smallest letter or one tiny penstroke shall in any way pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever shall break one of these least commandments and teaches others to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever shall do and teach them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, there is no way you will enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the ancient ones, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I tell you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, that is, that he is worthless, will be in danger of the council. Whoever says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of Gehenna. If therefore you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has anything against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are with him on the way. Lest perhaps the prosecutor deliver you to the judge and the judge deliver you to the officer and you be cast into prison. Amen. I tell you, you shall by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, this Sunday, we begin the part of the Trinity season which focuses on the Christian faith. Now, most of you, especially those of you that are my catechumens, have heard me ask repeatedly, what is Christianity? Which is really just another way of asking, what is the Christian faith? And all my catechumens should be able to answer, the flesh and blood of Christ. For we who are baptized into the flesh and blood of Christ, our faith is real. It is concrete. You can hold it in your hand. You can taste it with your tongue. The flesh and blood of Christ is the way of the cross, the way of him who is crucified. This faith, this way, defines our entire being. It is the way in which we walk together as children of God, as brothers in the church. Now, it's one thing to know what Christianity is, the flesh and blood of Christ. Yet this part of the Trinity season also asks us how we are to walk in this way of his flesh and blood. That is to ask, how do we walk with one another in the faith, in the church, in response to God's love for us as seen in the flesh and blood of his Son. And to this our Lord answers in our gospel text, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now this is really quite something. For those of us that hear the Gospels week in and week out, the righteousness of the Pharisees may not sound like much, because in the Gospels they are seen as blasphemers, idolaters, lovers of money, and lovers of the fame and praise of men. And all that is true. Yet, what is also true is that in those days, the Pharisees were indeed the most righteous of men. The scribes and Pharisees, they knew the Old Testament scriptures inside and out. They were the teachers of the law. They sat in the chair of Moses. They were the leaders of the old religion of the law. They knew the Ten Commandments and all the Old Testament laws better than any men alive. They knew all of the Jewish traditions. They knew all the laws of those traditions. And those, the laws of the traditions were meant to act as a fence around the Ten Commandments to keep anyone from breaking the law of God in the scriptures. So they lived their lives building their righteousness among men. And nobody, nobody was more righteous by the law that the Pharisees knew and taught than themselves. And so, where the law of God said, Thou shalt not murder, the Pharisees stayed far away from murder. Where the law said, Thou shalt not commit adultery, they stayed far away from any premarital relations or any extramarital affairs. And so on this goes. They stayed away from gross and public acts of stealing, from committing false testimony against the neighbor, from public acts of coveting, 
You see, wherever the law of God stood, there the Pharisees stayed away from any explicit outward acts or any perception of breaking the law in the scriptures or the traditions. No one in those days held better to the law of God. No one had more righteousness than that of the Pharisees. Well, if we were to understand righteousness in this way, it really doesn't seem too bad, does it? It takes effort to keep the law in what we do, but if we understand the law like the Pharisees did, keeping it isn't impossible. For instance, the fifth commandment is, thou shalt not murder. We just heard that. Well, when is the last time that you yourself pulled out a gun on someone that you disliked and pulled the trigger? Or slipped a little poison into their drink? Well, chances are, not many people who are listening to this have done those things. Or what about the sixth commandment? We just heard that as well. Thou shalt not commit adultery. This commandment hasn't been kept in our culture like it was in the first century Palestine. But still, in the church, there are those who remained pure, so to speak, before marriage, or without being married at all. And there are those, now married, who never had an extramarital affair. And we could go on down the list of the commandments. How many here have robbed a bank, lied in court? You see... We too can claim to be righteous before men just as the Pharisees did. And if we lived our whole lives as the Pharisees did, perhaps we could be seen as righteous by men of this age as they were by men of that age. Of course, there is just one problem in all of this. It's again where Jesus says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, we don't just need to be abundant in righteousness like the Pharisees were. You actually need to be super more abundant in righteousness than the Pharisees were in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, now it doesn't seem so easy. How is this possible to be more righteous than the Pharisees? To be more righteous than just keeping the outward acts of the law? How is it possible to be more righteous than outwardly following what God demands of us in his commandments? Well, Jesus tells us, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. The righteousness of the Pharisees looked only on the outside, to the outward acts or works of the person. So while they held to not committing adultery or avoided outside marital relations, their hearts were cold stones because they were willing to send away their wives with certificates of divorce. They held to not stealing, but they were fine with taking money as long as it had the appearance of being right, even if really ethically kind of shady. If the Pharisees were sinned against by another, they may not have pulled out a gun and shot their brother dead. 
but they hated their brother all the same in their cold stone hearts and refused to forgive them. If they were sinned against, they believed their brother to be a worthless fool who'd be better off dead. Their outward acts were pure. The outward acts of the Pharisees were pure. But in their heart, there was no love, no mercy, no forgiveness. There was no true religion of the gospel, but only the old religion of the law. And they applied the law only to their outward works, but not to their sinful heart and flesh. That is why Jesus, at one point in the Gospels, calls them whitewashed tombs. Because while they were pure on the outside, they were full of nothing but sin and death on the inside. Because the Pharisees, by applying the law only to outside works and not the heart, they relaxed all the commandments and taught others to do the same. And in doing this, they hated their brothers. They rejected the scriptures by murdering Christ on the cross so that in their righteousness, they are those who will forever in the kingdom of heaven be called least because they will never be allowed to enter it, but instead now will be liable to the judgment on the last day, liable to the hell of fire. There they will remain for they will never be able to pay to the very last penny of what they owe for withholding forgiveness. And so it will be for anyone who relaxes the law of God for themselves, thinking that they will enter the kingdom in their own righteousness. But after we've gone through all of this, our question still remains. How is our righteousness to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees? How do we enter the kingdom of heaven? How are we to walk in the faith? My catechumens again know the answer. By the flesh and blood of Christ. The only one who can claim to be more righteous than the Pharisees is he who was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Becoming incarnate, our Lord fulfilled these commandments of God perfectly, not in the relaxed way that the Pharisees did, but by doing them and teaching them without missing one iota or dot from the law. So that not only did our Lord not murder those of us who sinned against him, but when we sinned against him, he also didn't get angry. He didn't call us fools. He did not hold us as worthless or better off eternally dead. But where we sinned and repented, he forgives. And where he forgives, he calls us to follow. As we follow, he leads us on the way to the cross. And at the cross, it is here that he did not treat us as worthless but as those loved by God, taking the pain, shame, humiliation, and guilt of our sin as he hung there in our stead, taking our punishment as he received the full wrath of God for our sin, taking our death so that we may live. He did all this rather than murdering us in anger, in divine wrath, so that we would die. It is on the cross 
where he completed all righteousness for us, fulfilling every iota and dot of the law where we failed. Not the relaxed law of the Pharisees, but the law applied also to the flesh and the heart. He completed it all. And that is why now, risen and ascended, he is called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Baptized into Christ, into his flesh and blood, Christ's righteousness is now your righteousness. Baptized and washed clean in the blood of Christ, you are now righteous before God in Christ's righteousness. You now wear a righteousness which exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, given to you in the grace and mercy by him who is the author and giver of all good things. In that righteousness, which is Christ, which is given to you, your hearts of stone have given way to hearts of flesh, where the love of God's name has been grafted in, where in this faith you cling to the flesh and blood of Christ, which is the true religion. And now, in this righteousness, is the way of the cross, which is far higher than the righteousness of the Pharisees. For in this righteousness of Christ, not only can you keep from murdering your brother who sins against you, now you can also keep from being angry at your brother. Now, before bringing your offering to the altar, you can leave it there, and now you can go forgive your brother. You can meet him on this way of the cross, and whatever his sin was, Whatever injury it caused you, whether it's physical injury, financial injury, injury of reputation or status, whatever it was, you are now able in this righteousness, in the flesh and blood of Christ, in the church, you are now able to forgive him who sinned against you. Forgiveness, reconciliation is the way of the flesh and blood of Christ. It is the way of the cross. It is how we in the church Walk in the faith together as we come to the altar to partake of the flesh and blood of Christ, where together we receive his righteousness in the bread and the wine. Because you see, forgiveness, reconciliation, is the higher righteousness. And in this righteousness, given by God's grace, who mercifully keeps us in this righteousness, we will together as the church be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
and thou tookest upon thee to deliver me and didst humble thyself to be born of a virgin and thou hadst overcome the sharpness of death thou didst open the kingdom of heaven to all believers thou sittest at the right hand of God mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Let thy mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me, O God, a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Vouchsafe, O Lord, this day, to keep us without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us, have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us, as our trust is in thee. Hear my prayer, O Lord and let my cry come unto thee. Lord of all power and might, 
who is the author and giver of all good things. Graft in our hearts the love of your name. Increase in us true religion. Nourish us with all goodness. And of your great mercy, keep us in the same. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. 
as we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We bless the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Praise him and magnify him forever. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us, this day also, from all sin and evil, and that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls, and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.
That's all for this week. Thank you to all who are able to use this podcast for your prayer and morning devotions. And please join us again next week as we celebrate the seventh Sunday after Trinity, where we'll hear from the gospel according to Mark on the feeding of the 4,000 in chapter 8. All music for the hymnody in this podcast comes from smallchurchmusic.com. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church in Spencer or at CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this service, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast, tell a friend, or leave a review wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for these podcasts or would like to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses at the top of the bulletin, which is included in a link with this podcast. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.